Blog Talk Radio. So it's faith-based. So you're involved with faithism, not atheism, right? It was that you said, saying that you know a lot of Christians, um, they maybe text or they maybe email you, and you know they were pretty much scared of you. And I said, oh, okay, challenge, okay. No, I believe the Bible. I don't believe the Bible is saying that slavery is okay because it gives instructions about how to handle slavery. Andrew, that's faith. You just said you accept evolution, evolution theory. So that's faith. You got faith in a theory. By any chance, are you gay? Uh, what do you think about well, totes? Hello, everyone. Hello. Thank you so much for joining me here again on the Atheist Roundtable. I, I, this is supposed to be a weekly show. It's not been a weekly show in forever. It's going to be a weekly show again. I, I, I want to promise you. It sounds like I'm Trump that's promising you, but really, one of these days, it's going to be weekly again, just as soon as things settle down, I suppose. My name is Andrew Garver. I'm your host here on the Atheist Roundtable, a show about atheism and agnosticism, belief and non-belief, and a whole bunch of other things that are just going to flow into my stream of consciousness in the next 30 or so minutes here on Blog Talk Radio. This show goes live when it's live at 11 p.m. on Sunday evenings. And if you ever want to call in to be part of the show, then you call 347-838-8342. That's the number to call when the show is live. If you are a normal person and you're not awake at 11 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time on a Sunday evening then you can always call and leave me a voicemail at 765-280-3066. That's the voicemail line number for the Atheist Roundtable. Nobody answers that line, but you can call and you can say something to me. If Maybe I'll play it on the show. I probably will play it on the show unless you tell me that you don't want me to play it on the show. Then I would definitely not play it on the show. Last time when I was on the air, I got to talk a little bit about the evidence that people bring to the table when we talk about whether or not a God exists or not. We got to talk a little bit about the kind of evidence that I would expect to see if it was going to convince me that a God exists. We got to talk a little bit about the the kinds of reasons why I don't find those arguments, that evidence, or any of those things to be convincing that a God does exist. The important thing here, I think, is that the evidence does not convince me. You can bring uh, whatever evidence you want. Believe me, I will consider it. I will be far more impressed if it's not evidence that I haven't seen like a hundred times before, right? Like if it's the first time that I ever heard an argument, it's the first time I ever saw something. If you bring something new to the table, that's going to be far more impressive than the same old thing, again, we're talking about uh, if God can make a rock so big he can't lift it, and you want to tell me that that's a nonsense answer, because why would God ever want to do that? Look, why would I ever want to shove my my pinky toe in my ear, right? I don't know why I want to do it, but it's possible to have, well, okay, it's not possible with my physique. It's possible for some people to show, it might not be actually physically. The point is, is that even if it's not possible, and it's not, or even if it's not a thing that someone would be likely to do, you still should be able to do whatever you want with your toe and your ear or whatever. Yeah, that made perfect sense. Shut up. I'm, I'm, I'm 
going somewhere with this. <laughs> it's not a nonsensical question. And calling it a nonsensical question isn't going to convince me that suddenly it's suddenly it's a god. So suddenly it's a it's a god who totally can create a, a, a rock or can't create a rock and it's just fine. Has no bearing on the question of omnipotence. Just at the root of that question. Look, what I want to talk about tonight is why, or what it would take, to convince me that a god does exist. I touched on it a little bit last time. I need something that I could grip, something I can hold on to, sink my teeth into, something that could be verified outside of myself and outside of you too, right? I can't just rely on your own experiences, your own testimony, your own life experience. I, I need something better than that. I've had a life. I've had lots of experiences. And what those life experiences have taught me is that God is not real, that there isn't a convincing argument that God does exist. I don't know what it would sound like. I don't know what this stuff would be. I'll bet you that an omnipotent, all-knowing God would know and would be able to bring that kind of thing to me. Different levels of evidence then would convince me of different kinds of God, right? It'd be, if you're going to the way that I hear all the time, if you're going to say that, well, God is the beginning, the creator of the universe, that God was the thing that made all the things that we see. I, I think that's a pretty low bar for a God. All you're saying is that God is the creator of the universe. What if God created the universe and then, oof, now he no longer exists? Why does he have to continue existing after the creation of the universe? He doesn't. All he needs to do is just be there for the initial thing, the initial creation, and then he's gone. He's out. He's done convince me that there was a thing that created the universe. I, I, I don't know, even if I was convinced that there was a thing, that I would be convinced that that thing would be a God. Do you know what I mean? Even if you were able to convince me that there had to be a thing that did the thing, right, that it had to have, like, a mind and a purpose or whatever, right, that it had to be an entity, a deity, I, I, I don't know that you're any closer to establishing that it's the particular God of the Bible, the God that has so many other properties besides just being the creator of the universe. If you convince me that, uh, that, that God was the being that was going to be able to redeem my soul, that God was going to be able to, do, to forgive my transgressions and allow me a... Uh, paradise existence after my death. I don't know how we are, even if I were able to, to accept that, even if I were to be convinced that that God actually exists, I don't know if I would also be able to say that that God that redeems and allows me into a paradise when I'm dead is also the same God that created the universe. These two things aren't uh, necessarily intertwined, I don't think. And I think you would have to have some other that piece of evidence that I would have to be convinced by that would bring those two together, that not only is the God that 
that's, is there a God that created the universe? Not only is there a God that, that redeems you and gives you eternal life when you die, but that this is actually the same God. That's, those are three different pieces, and I'm not even done talking about all of the different uh, uh, properties of the supposed Christian God or Muslim God or any of the Abraham, or, or the God that we often speak of. The God that I often speak of, the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-good, perfect creator of the universe with a message for humanity. I've only really touched on maybe two of those things. I've got a whole bunch of other things to go through. And then I've got to have something else to bring all those things back together in order to convince me that this particular God, this very specific God, is the one that actually exists. That takes a lot of convincing, right? I mean, I'm just just saying that that takes a lot of convincing. And, and and to be fair, what I want to say is that I used convinced, absolutely convinced, that that God actually 100% did exist. I used to be the guy who knew for a fact that this guy existed, right? And then, and and, and so what I want to talk about a little bit is, you know, I, I went from being totally convinced that this God was real to being totally convinced that this God was not real. And what happened? What was the thing? What was the change? The change was that I looked, really looked, at the reasons people gave for why they believed that this God was real. Things beyond the, well, we just believe it. For so long, when I was a believer, for so long, it was simply a it was a statement that we repeated over and over in church. We, I was a Catholic, and so we recited the Nicene Creed in every Mass. I believe in God, the uh, creator of the universe. Uh, there was no whole bunch of other things. I, I, don't, I don't remember the Nicene Creed now. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ. Uh, you, you, okay, the Nicene Creed. This is a statement, but in none of it, and, and, and it's supposed to be a declaration of faith. When, when, when you recite the Nicene Creed in Mass, when you say it out loud, uh, it's supposed to be a declaration. And maybe it is, but it certainly isn't a justification, right? It certainly isn't um, the reason why you believe it. It's just what you believe. Peel back just one layer of this onion to try to get to why you believe it, and suddenly the whole thing just starts to fall apart. You know the kinds of apologetics that you get. There has to be a prime mover, an un, an uncaused cause. There has to be... Uh, the, the earth is so perfectly designed for life. How could we exist here if it wasn't so perfectly designed for humans? We all seem to have a sense of morality. How could we have a sense of morality if we were not, if it was not put there by the hand of God? These are the arguments we get, right? And at first, at first glance, these arguments are good enough, right? You you will hear if you listen to any other atheist podcast, you will hear that the the apologetics don't have to be good. They only have to be good enough. Apologetics aren't meant for the non-believer. Apologetics are meant for the believer. 
these are arguments that are designed to appeal to people who are convinced, who don't know if they should be convinced, and to only convince them that they are still convinced. Does that make sense? We don't have to convince you that your beliefs are true. We only have to convince you that you're already convinced that your beliefs are true. Still with me? I don't have to prove anything to you. I simply have to say something that's going to so neatly fall into your already pre-established narrative that it seems like I've justified your belief, even if I haven't actually. Think about how well this apologetic strategy works. Okay, Every believer, I totally believe, that every believer at some point has some kind of crisis of faith. And I absolutely believe that most people have a passing glance over all of these apologetic things, right? And most people then accept them as being convinced that they are still convinced. Yes? With me? Nobody who takes a hard serious look at the uncaused cause argument remains a believer. At least, not for the reason that they think there needs to be an uncaused cause. Right? Nobody takes Pascal's wager and makes it the reason that they believe something. Nobody does that. But, what they do do is they use Pascal's wager as an excuse to convince themselves that they are still convinced that this God exists. Think of how all we need to do is convince you you're still convinced. And then these apologetics actually do something. that They do the thing that they are meant to do. Think of how this relates to what we saw this past election cycle. I don't need to convince you of something. I only need to convince you that you were already convinced of something. Think of how this played into our political uh, landscape. I don't have to present you with something that's actually convincing. I only have to present you with something that can convince you that you were already convinced. That's what happened. That's what apologetics does. That's the tactic that we see. Nobody remains a believer because of these apologetic things. They are, in fact, not convincing. They're not. No one becomes a, a Christian because of these arguments. People only remain Christian because of these arguments. People are only convinced that they are already convinced. That's what I'm trying to say. I, ho I can't think of a better way to say it. That's why I keep saying the same thing over and over, because I'm hoping that my point gets clearer as as I elaborate more. I, uh, I have a confession to make um, uh, on tonight's show. I have a confession to make. About uh, It's been well over a year since I last aired a conversation between myself and, um, and, and, and the person who answers the phone when you call gospel billboards. Are you guys familiar with gospel billboards? If you've ever seen a billboard 
that says, uh, if you die tonight, heaven or hell, call one eight five five four truth You've ever seen that? Those billboards? Evolution is not real. Call 855-4-TRUTH. That's gospel billboards. You can find them online at gospelbillboards.com. Don't go there. I called them about a year ago. We had about an hour-long chat. Uh, I called them again about a week ago. Had about a half-hour-long chat. I'm not playing yet. I'm not playing that conversation. And to be honest with you, the reason I'm not playing the conversation is because, well, it was dull. <laughs> uh, there was no argument. Um, it, it turned into, I don't know how, it just turned into me interviewing this guy uh, about about his conversion into Christianity, which I found rather uh, vanilla, I guess. When I listen to deconversion stories from from my fellow atheists. We often talk about uh, an intellectual, a spiritual, an emotional journey that uh, was filled with ups and downs, and trials, tribulations, pitfalls. We have some triumphs in there as well. Uh, but most of us uh, remember our deconversion it's a kind of a, an awakening. It's a kind of a transformation. And, and, and this guy, and I don't want to make it sound like this guy represents every conversion story, but his conversion story really just was, I want to fit in. I want to be part of a group. And, and, and these guys are accepting me into the... And there's nothing wrong, okay? There's nothing wrong finding a group of people who like you and accept you for who you are, bring you in and give you community. There is nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. There's nothing wrong with doing that amongst a group of Christians either. I don't know that's a reason to be convinced that their beliefs are true, there's nothing wrong with wanting community and finding it amongst Christians. Nothing wrong with that at all. It's a great story. It's a good story. And it has a happy ending, right, with a guy who finds his place in the world through a community of people who accept him for who he is. That's a good story. And I, but, but if you compare it, to the kinds of deconversion stories that I hear, that you might hear, that might be your story, it um, it, it lacks something, don't you think? It lacks that sense of loss that we all had when we moved from belief to non-belief. It lacks that time of mourning. Uh, when we realized that all those prayers, uh, all that time trying to connect to a God, all that time thinking about how we wanted to dedicate our lives to what Jesus wanted for us, all that time was just uh, talking to ourselves. It was a time of mourning for the loss, of hoping for a 
new life after this one. It was a time of mourning for all the things that we were promised as believers, as we realized finally, slowly, that those weren't that those things just weren't real. There was that kind of thing missing from the story. There was the kind of thing that when atheists realize that they are also humanists, when they realize that we, humans, and the other humans around us, are all the people that we have to rely on, that this community that we found is one of the most important things we could possibly find, that the connection that we have with other humans is so precious and so fleeting. That kind of discovery seemed to be missing from my friend's conversion story. And maybe he just wasn't focusing on that. Maybe that is a part of his story that he simply just didn't share with me in the short half-hour time we had to talk about. But I did note that that was missing from the story and that it doesn't seem to be missing from so many of our deconversion stories. This period of mourning, this period of discovery, self-discovery that we have when we go through these trials. Uh, I, I, I found that telling. And again, there is nothing wrong with being or accepts you, who you are, and doesn't judge you. There's nothing wrong with that. If those people were Christians, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong at all. I don't want I, I don't want you guys to be thinking that I'm trying to belittle this dude's story. It's not it at all. Just saying that um, when I was listening to it, something that 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 kind of thing really struck me. That it seemed to be missing something. They had to hang up. No way. Oh, it's good to be back. It's good to be back on the air and doing this show again. It really is. And I want to thank all the people who listen to this show and send me their support. Oh, I love it. Uh, I love all the feedback that I get. I truly do. If you've got feedback, then you should do a couple of things. You can go to my Facebook page. You can uh, you can go to my Facebook page. You can send me a friend request on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter at Garber, at Garber Andrew. My name is Andrew Garber on Facebook. You can also send me an email at AndrewTheAtheist at gmail.com. You can send a voice message to 765-280-3066. That's the voicemail line for the Atheist Roundtable. Uh, thank you guys so much for being a part of the show and for listening to the show. I truly appreciate it. And so until next time, Take care of yourselves because God isn't here. We are. Good night. Like the fan page for the Atheist Roundtable at slash Atheist Roundtable on Facebook or find your host at slash Andrew the Atheist. Send all of your email to andrewtheatheist at gmail.com. This podcast is the official podcast of Atheists humanists and agnostics of the Wabash Valley. Find us on Facebook for monthly meetups. Music for this episode is provided as always by Dick Richards. Thank you, Dick. God is here. We are. Take care of yourselves.